Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us on uh, this Thursday afternoon. I almost lost track of the day there. I am uh, really what day pleased. Is it, Buzz? What's that? What day is it? I think it's Thursday, and uh, don't ask me what the date is because I have no clue. Is it still July? Uh, yes, Buzz. Okay. It's still July. All right. Um, <laughs> and it just started, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> shows you where I am at. I think we have Senator Adam Hines on the phone. Is that true? You do. I'm just assessing my calendars and uh, trying to figure out what day it is. So and here we are. Well, here we are. I'm so glad that you are on the. You're not the only one, Adam. <laughs> I, I can confirm we're in July. Yeah. Okay. That's really good. Of what year? <laughs> what is time, Adam? You have. Um, I, I I am so grateful for you. I am so. I always look forward to our conversations, but we have to start with the elephant in the room. You've had a busy month, haven't you? Yeah. I have. Well, let's say it got a lot easier after the beginning of June. Um, but uh, it's <laughs> uh, unfortunately it's like that's the elephant you're referring to. <laughs> it is. It yeah. is. Yeah. So we're. It's. It's it, July. I'll maybe kind of segue that way. July is one of our busiest months um, in the Senate session, and because we're kind of hurtling towards the end of our two-year session, that we go on recess July 31st, and so. Um, as we speak, I'm, I'm in a re remote session related to child care, um, and so we have a lot coming at us. But So it's been busy for that reason. But you're, um, you're correct that uh, my run for lieutenant governor ended at the Democratic Convention at the beginning of June. And, um, and so we have been kind of assessing what, uh, you know, the... I guess the headwinds that we faced and, um, but you know, all, it is all good. I'm, I'm very happy to take on the big issues that we, that got me in the race in the first place, but just maybe from a different perch. I am really glad to hear that. I look by way of disclosure and I can, I, you know, when you host a show like this, we get these, uh, advice, um, pieces of advice from colleagues um, it goes like this. Um, if you're going to be interviewing different candidates for different races, you don't endorse. You don't send money to a particular candidate. You don't uh, overly um, sort of, uh, what, congratulate or um, show your admiration for any particular candidate. You sort of try to remain some, somewhere in neutralityville. And um, I try to do that. But I've got to tell listeners and you, I... I've known you for many years now. Uh, I know about yeah. your past. I know what you did with the United Nations in Iraq. I know where you come from. You went to the same school my children went to. And I have nothing but profound admiration. And I was really happy you were running for lieutenant governor. I know that there's other candidates who uh, are good. And I don't want to say anything bad about anybody. But I do want to say um, I was very happy that you were running um, for lieutenant governor. And okay. I was very sad to read that the convention... Um, didn't give you a sufficient uh, percentage of uh, support right. to uh, continue your race. So I, I want to say that openly that um, you're one of my faves, and I know how hard you work because I've been your constituent since you entered the Senate. Yeah, <laughs> so that's right. And um, well, the feelings mutual, buds, and it's um, honestly it's it, what what really kind of gets you up and and doing this work is you feel like okay great is there is there a way to have more of an impact for our region for western mass for the for the big issues related to kind of equity and and justice and um just making sure we're on a strong path as a as a commonwealth and um whether it's economic development and otherwise and so um it's it's been it's been wonderful i've absolutely loved being a senate a senator and, and you know Look, we, you and I are from Franklin County, and, and um, it's been really the honor of a life to be able to say, look, we're going to try to single-handedly, and now with the help of others, including Representative Blay and, and so many others, change how we've, you know, go about funding our schools because of my experience at Mohawk Trail Regional High School. And, um, and, and so to be able to kind of put your, your shoulder into a big issue like that and, and now see changes, um, it's been great. And so uh, I am determined to, to find another way to keep having an impact. And um, for, for now, I'm just catching my breath. 
I think that's a good idea, and you're probably enjoying that little boy of yours. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it's it's. I have to say, my my wife after the convention said, you know, I guess I was buckling down for a pretty intense summer, but um, now that you're actually able to spend more time being a dad, it's <laughs> we're we're grateful, and so um, that that feels right. I mean, this it's it's a thing that um, you know I couldn't quite calculate the timing on, but um, to to be out of the house for this critical period, he's he's now 13 months. Um, and for so much of that critical period, didn't quite sit right. But um, so now we're really enjoying our time together, for sure. I so. I so much applaud that, and I so much. You know, I I do. I I don't know if there's many busy parents that don't have the same feeling I do. If I have any regrets at all, it's that I was I worked to the exclusion of enjoying all those extremely uh, important moments uh, in a child's uh, growth and development, and and just. Mm watching those smiles and those drools and um oh yeah it's a precious time 13 months is impressive yeah so, well, is, he, is he called is is he saying your name yet that uh we, we can get a dad out for sure we've had that for a couple of months but it's um you know that, that's about as far as we're going there i oh, think that's great that's impressive <laughs> for 13 months so as a senator adam hines what's been keeping you busiest well, we, we literally today um, are doing a, a landmark piece of legislation on child care. And um, you, you know how it is. It's, uh, there, I can't go into a room these days without hearing how maybe a company is having trouble hiring. And, and you know, some of the obstacles to that can be child care or transportation. Um, and so that, that's one on the one side. On the other side, the average cost right now in Massachusetts for child care is about $15,000 for a toddler per year, 20000 for an infant. It's much large, much more than, than other states. And so, you know, this is a, a big issue for affordability for young families, for um, getting our economy back on track, for women still. Uh, it's a big issue. And the problem that we're trying to confront as well is, is that it's not just all of those important elements, but it's also the fact that we um, are not – we don't have a system that allows for our child care providers to survive. They, they can't even um, keep their doors open with the reimbursement rates in particular that we're talking about from the state. And then similarly, those who work in the field are um, kind of classically underpaid. We're, we're talking about positions that average around $30,000 a year. And, um, and, and so you can make more working um, at, say, Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts and yet we're entrusting you with the lives of our, our youngest uh, and most important assets, right? And, and cherished, uh, cherished members of our communities. And, um, and so anyway, it's a long way of saying we're trying to address all three of those issues in this bill uh, and saying, look, we can expand subsidies to higher income levels. We need to make sure that we're um, increasing our reimbursement rates to child care centers and improving the wages in the field. And, um, and so it's a, it's a big one and it's happening in real time. It's a huge one and it is current. What's really interesting. Uh, one show it was months ago. Um, I had on four child care and preschool providers, um, directors of various schools and, um, and daycares and Claire Higgins who runs, uh, uh mm. home care and who has Head Start um, as part of what, uh, what they provide. And what they wanted to reinforce over and over again is the problems, I think many of which you just outlined for us, Adam. Those problems are not new. It's just that the COVID has sort of uh, brought them to the surface. They're, they're now we can't not look at them now because they're having such yeah. an obvious impact. But they've always had an obvious impact. It's... Childcare is yeah. so expensive. The people who do this extraordinary work, these loving, caring, competent people who stand in loco parentis for our children, our tender children, mm -hmm. uh, they're so underpaid and so overworked and understaffed. Yeah. And it's like, where are our priorities? These are, uh, these yeah. are our precious babies. That's right. Isn't it amazing? And, and so what we're trying to say is, look, we've, we've made investments in K through 12. Why are we not going further? Um, it's always, it always has boggled my mind that, you know, we're not charging anyone to go to fourth grade, but 
boy, boy, if you're four years old, we're gonna we're gonna really gouge your parents. <laughs> you <know? laughs> really, it's really get a job, four-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's got to pay <laughs> for this. Right. Yeah, and I think and, well. And I also like that you. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, you, you're right about the, the these kind of key dynamics that are happening right now, which is more and more people are working from home because of COVID, and that makes it even more critical that you have someone who can, um, you have something you can do with your children. Um, and then second was with COVID, we, the state required childcare centers to limit their capacity. So in many cases, that for a while we were down 50 percent, um, and so the. The amount of the way we're going about funding these is changing as a result. It used to be you would be reimbursed if you're a you know a subsidized center uh, based on how many children are in the room. Now it's based on your capacity um, and not the actual day-to-day enrollment. Just so that it's just it was just a sustainability issue um, to allow the to actually have the childcare infrastructure to exist. It, it's just um, so yeah, you're right. Lifting up the hood and saying okay, we need to we need to change this. How are your colleagues on this issue? Um, this is this is a bit of a no-brainer for everybody, and um, you won't be surprised to hear, based on just the stakeholders that I just talked about, that it's 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 working families, but it's also business leaders from you know Boston to the Berkshires are are really working on this as well, and um, and so we we really view it as everything from an economic driver to a um, it's just kind of a equal playing field, and we, you know, I haven't even mentioned yet the the critical impact that this age um, has um, in terms of learning and and kind of setting a strong foundation for growth and learning. And so, um, just uh, everyone's excited that we're finally taking a serious swipe at this. And do you think the support of the business community from Boston to Berkshire will? Uh, influence the governor's willingness to endorse to sign such a, yes. such a piece of legislation. Yeah. Yeah. What's What's interesting is we've had two coalitions out of Beacon Hill really driving this. Um, one, it's called the Common Start Coalition. I say Beacon Hill, but um, amongst advocates, it really started in the kind of uh, New Bedford Fall River area. But uh, so that's been kind of um, social justice, kind of childcare advocates. But then there's been a second critical uh, uh, set of stakeholders and advocacy groups, and that's been business-led. And they've essentially said, we've identified this as a critical challenge for our workforce um, and for our own competitiveness. And so uh, a, lot of, a lot of money and a lot of organizing has gone into um, thinking about what the business side could do. So they've been pretty active on this one. Well, I'll tell you, I'm in my 70s, and, and I've got grand, one of my grandchildren has just turned 20. But um, when when more support is given for this effort, I will be celebrating mightily. I think that it's just so important. It's also a way to, we all want to see a more diverse society. Um, I think it's, uh, childcare and preschool is a way to bring people together so that they become colorblind as they get older. I believe that in the bottom of my soul yeah. because kids aren't born racist. They learn it. and. Yeah. And that's where learning happens. We are talking to Senator Adam Hines, working on our children's behalf. We're going to take a break for a few minutes and be back with Adam right after this. Stay with us. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. It would be so nice to come home to. The Paul Parent Garden Club, every Sunday, 6 to 8 a.m. Brought to you by Weinzick Nursery, locally owned and operated since 1954. Visit Mike, Amity, John, and the rest of the team at Weinzick Nursery, Route 9 in Hadley, and online at weinzicknursery.com. Do you know what's happening this Friday at 9 a.m.? Is this week's Shop Friday Bread Euphoria? Correct! They go on sale this Friday at 9 a.m. Full value gift certificates and you save 30%. At the Northampton-Williamsburg line, there's something in the air. That sourdough crust pizza, those croissants, smell that bread, the baguettes, that New York rye. It's euphoria, bread euphoria. Get ready to save 30% beginning Friday at 9 a.m. The Shop 30 store at whmp.com. Right in your town, maybe even in your neighborhood, an immigrant is building a new life, trying to find their way, all while learning a new language. The International Language Institute offers free English classes for immigrants and refugees. 
for true beginners and others, like students in our Bridge to College and Careers program. One of the nation's top language schools is right here, with free English classes for immigrants and refugees. The International Language Institute in downtown Northampton. Take WHMP and news from the Pioneer Valley with you everywhere. Download the TuneIn Radio app and search for WHMP. It's free, it's easy, and it's wherever you are. WHMP on TuneIn Radio. Hi, I'm Kate Kelly, public health nurse with the City of Northampton. The Northampton Health Department is holding vaccination clinics in Northampton and other locations in the region. Outdoor walk-in availability has reopened at the Northampton High School. Dates, locations, and appointments for all clinic sites can be found at the City of Northampton website. Go to www.northamptonma.gov and click on vaccine clinics. The clinics continue to offer Pfizer, pediatric Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, and in special situations, Johnson & Johnson. Clinics will also offer boosters to anyone ages five and up. The COVID vaccine is free for anyone from any community. Please bring your vaccine card and insurance card. If you do not have health insurance, you can still have a vaccine. Public health nurses are available at every clinic for your questions or concerns. Booster shots are one more layer of protection against COVID-19, and they prevent a huge number of people from needing to go to the hospital. We want to protect our most vulnerable or simply unlucky neighbors from getting the virus. We can't afford to let our guard down. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And we are back with Senator Adam Hines, um, uh, who is uh, talking about what's, what's hot in the Senate, what he's been working on in the Senate. Um, a lot of us are still, um, our hearts are heavy because of the Supreme Court of the United States ruling that Roe versus Wade is not, uh, it doesn't fit with their idea of what the Constitution is all about. I think that they forget that it's about people. But nevertheless, here in this, this state, um, tell us about what's, what's going on to sort of combat that, soften the blow, um, help uh, women uh, exercise their reproductive rights um, in the face of Roe. Well, we saw the writing on the wall, quite honestly, um, when the Supreme Court changed its composition and so immediately passed um, what we called here the Roe Act. And so essentially codifying in the state law, um, you know, safe and accessible abortion and even expanding um, uh, kind of beyond the, the, the federal level. And so that was that was done um, in the new year. And so. Uh, that was you know, in place. We feel good. That's an important message. Abortion is, is legal and safe and accessible here in Massachusetts. And um, I feel pretty confident in saying it always will be. Um, so that's an important message to get out, despite what you see happening every day um, at the federal level and in states across the country. I think so then for us, the, the question then became, well, how do we protect abortion providers um, and people seeking abortion? Uh, from actions taken by other states. And that's, that's been our focus. We, we put in language um, to do just that in, um, in the budget that we just did in, at the end of May. The, the Governor Baker, to his credit, um, signed an executive order essentially saying, um, you know, we will not honor any requests to, uh, for, for folks to be uh, essentially extradited uh, for that purpose. Um, and the House has put forward language last week in their own bill. And so now, um, likely next week, the Senate will do its own version to, to make sure that we do this quickly. Um, I won't get into the details of why, even though we did it in the budget, it makes sense to do a second bill. But essentially, it, it comes down to um, kind of uh, allowing it to move quickly. And so um, that's that's the focus. We we are currently having the debate, honestly, um, amongst ourselves uh, ahead of that bill next week in the Senate to say, can we, should we go further now? Are there other areas that we should be tackling um, in relation to Roe? But I think in the short term, we're we're key uh, and really keen to focus on protecting providers and and people who are seeking abortion from other um, states. Here. Here, um, yeah. So you you were talking about when we were on break about a bond bill that you've been working on. Yeah. So I guess maybe confirming my earlier comments, we we have uh, 
uh, a lot going on next week. I just mentioned Roe. We also are doing a transportation bond bill. And so this is, you know, the nature of $10 billion that we um, we essentially put forward as a state to help with our investments in transportation. One of the things that we're focused on, on a, as a Western Mass delegation, of course, is um, making sure that we are both, A, creating the authority for West East Rail, and B, um, putting forward some money towards it as a down payment. And so that is it right now um, a part of that bond bill, and we're going to try to expand the amount of the investment um, through amendments as a delegation. But this is a key part. People will remember that when we met with the governor and with Congressman McGovern and, and Neil um, about maybe it was a month and a half ago, um, the governor was focused on making sure we establish a rail authority for Western Mass Rail so that we can then apply for more federal funds. That'll be a part of what this um, what we do in this bond bill. So a big step. And then uh, right now, the House put aside $250 million, and we'll, we'll try to get a little bit above that if we can. But um, just a really big, a big step um, towards uh, rail from Western Mass to Boston. Are you, do you, is this really going to happen? Um, yes. When is the, the bigger question, I think. Um, but I would say at this point, there is enough momentum in terms of um, the Department of Transportation, the kind of at the executive branch and the legislative branch, everyone's committed to it. And so, you know, we had some some issues to iron out with the federal government. But, you know, I think even there, it's a matter of um, of how you do it, not if you do it using federal funds. And so I'll give you an example. We, we have nine billion dollars in federal transportation funds that we've received, um, you know, as part of Biden's um, infrastructure bill. And so that's $9 billion. This is um, predicted to cost around $2.4 to $4.6 billion. And so you can see very quickly um, between the funds that we already have in our coffers and, of course, bonding and uh, additional federal funds that are out there anyway for rail, there's a a real path financially. Um, And so... You know, we were deliberate in the feasibility study to make sure that there were options that were did not require um, significant infrastructure uh, changes that would only delay and um, cause problems. And so, I think there's a there's a there's a way to do this for sure. Well, all I know is every morning I have this habit. I read the Washington Post. I read the New York Times. I look at the Boston Globe, and uh, over my cup of coffee and. It's usually bad news, but here in a brief half hour, Senator Adam Hines has brought us good news on Roe, good news on transportation, and good news on child care. This is a great morning. Afternoon. It's not even morning. I still think it's June, too. <laughs> what year is it again, Buzz? What year is it? And also, Adam, you, um, you're as good a communicator as you are a senator. We're lucky to have you there. Uh, working on our behalf. Um, thank you so much for joining us again today. Hey. It's always a pleasure. It's always a pleasure. And um, and we'll certainly be in touch. Keep up the good work and uh, bringing knowledge and power to the people. Okay. We will all do that. All right. Thanks again. Say hi to, Take care. Say hi to Rafa for us. I will. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. We will be back with our Take 5 segment. Whoops. I guess we're good. Take five second segment coming right up. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg. 101.5 WHMP. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. Nearly 200 workers at Planned Parenthood League of Massachusetts clinics in Boston, Worcester, Marlboro, and Springfield have voted to join United Healthcare Workers East. The mail ballot election was completed yesterday afternoon, and the workers will join their counterparts from Planned Parenthood clinics in other states that have already voted to join the union. 98% of workers voted to enlist in the union, and they included healthcare assistants, nurses, patient navigators, educators, telehealth workers, advanced practice clinicians, and advocates. PPLM workers began organizing in early 2022. The Northampton School Committee is narrowing down their choice for school superintendent. There will be a special meeting held tonight to interview the final three candidates, Janelle Pearson-Campbell, Marlene DeLeo, and Howard Jake Eberwine. Susan Wright will also be appointed interim superintendent until the committee makes their final choice. 
Former Northampton Superintendent John Provost accepted a position to lead the Hampton-Wilbraham Regional School District starting July 1st. A volunteer firefighter from Great Barrington is out on $10,000 bail after being arrested in late June for child porn-related offenses. Christopher Lovett allegedly contacted who he believed was a 13-year-old from Essex County, Massachusetts, and sent them obscene materials over social media. He was arrested on June 27th and released on bail. He's due back in court on August 26th for a pretrial hearing. Sun cloud mix this afternoon with a light breeze, a high of 78 to 82. Variable clouds tonight, overnight low of 58 to 64. A little bit more humid here tomorrow. Mixture of sun and clouds, but generally dry. Warmer, a high of 84 to 88. Humidity drops, and so does the temperature for the weekend. Mostly sunny and low 80s. I'm 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis, 101.5 WHMP. Hello, this is Linda DeGillis, Vice President and Trust Officer at Greenfield Savings Bank Wealth Management and Trust Services. Many of our customers are surviving spouses who have found themselves suddenly in charge of their household's financial savings and investments, which had previously been handled exclusively by their late spouse. A number of our female customers have told us that one of the reasons they moved their accounts to GSB Wealth Management and Trust Services was because they felt patronized or talked down to by their spouse's financial advisor. At GSB Wealth Management and Trust Services, our team of professionals will always treat you with respect and compassion. If you are looking for portfolio management, estate settlement services, or trust services, please call us, Greenfield Savings Bank Wealth Management and Trust Services at 413 775 8335. That's 413-775-8335. Or stop into any GSB office or contact us online through the wealth management section at greenfieldsavings.com. Thank you. Martha Graham, Mum and Shants, Blind Boys, Cherish the Ladies, Peking Acrobats, Ukraine Philharmonic, Nikki, and Stomp. All on their way to the UMass Fine Arts Center. Mum and Shantz in their 50th year. Cherish the ladies. A Celtic Christmas. The Martha Graham Dance Company with the lost Graham masterwork Canticle for Innocent Comedians. Snarky Puppy unleashes their ferocious improvisation. Nikki shines a ray of pop sunshine. And Gina Chavez blends the sound of the Americas with tension and grace. Dance, classical, jazz, theater, plus performances you just can't categorize. Stomp arrives for three performances. Head-turning trumpeter Sean Jones leads his quartet on stage, plus visits the UMass High School Jazz Festival. Plan now for a season of uplifting arts performances. Go to the UMass Fine Arts Center website for the full calendar and tickets. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. It's a great time of the week when Ruth Griggs is doing Take 5. Hello, Ruth. Hello, Buzz. How are you this afternoon? I'm happy because you're here, and I know you're going to bring me something that I'm going to, A, learn from, and B, enjoy. So what do we have today? I am really pleased that um, I finally have a chance to have David Peachy, who's yeah. the administrative director of Jazz in July over at the University of Massachusetts Fine Arts Center, here as my guest. Um, I, I've known David um, for quite a few years now. He was on the, the uh, board of the Northampton Jazz Festival. He's a fabulous bass player, and I just really think he's one of the coolest cats around. So thank you, David, for being here. Yes, glad to be here. Thanks for having me, and thanks for all the compliments. They're from the heart. They're from the heart and from what I know of you. So the reason why um, it's, ja it's July, so it must be jazz in July. Mm. It's been that way for about 40 years here in the Valley. And there, there are a lot of people that know about jazz in July, but we thought we'd have David on to talk to us for those who don't. Um, so, David, take it away. Like a little it. bit of the history and right. the format and the the the, uh, the goals and yeah, mission. great. So, uh, well, Jazz in July is is a two week improvisation intensive workshop with jazz music for vocalists and for instrumentalists alike. And um, it was, as you mentioned, started what forty two. It was started in nineteen eighty one. So it's to be like the forty. Second, this will be the 42nd one. Oh, right. Okay. And um, founded by Dr. Frederick Tillis with the University of Massachusetts Fine Arts Center um, in cooperation with the Department of Music and Dance. 
and also with uh, with Max Roach and with Dr. Billy Taylor. And they were bringing in artists, uh, educators from all over the scene, like working with local people who were on the UMass jazz program faculty, as well as bringing up other people from New York, which is a tradition that we have continued through the 40 years of the program. Um, so on the faculty, we have people from UMass uh, jazz African-American music studies program. Jeff Holmes is the artistic director and has been throughout at all the jazz in July since it was started. Uh, and uh, so he's he's there. Who else? Catherine Jensen Hall. Felipe Salas is usually on the faculty. He's in Brazil right now. But um, Bob Ferrier, great on guitar. Fumi Tomita uh, playing bass. Anyway, that's like really engaged with the faculty. So you can come and study with some of those folks. But then we have people coming also from beyond the scene, other you know professional performers and educators. Uh, usually Sheila Jordan's up with us for a number of years. Uh, Steve Davis is coming back. Uh, who else is coming? Uh, Earl McDonald, Luis Perdomo, uh, Avery Sharp will be with us. He's been with us for years. And uh, you know Steve Johns and Winard Harper, who both used to drum in the Billy Taylor trio as well. And they, So they'll be back this summer. I just have to interrupt. Just for those listeners who might think you're just name-dropping, these people, these names mm. are so talented. They're, we're talking about upper echelon musicians yes and educators i mean like to get to hear them play the way that they play but then also to get to sit next to them and and hear them talk about it and, and to learn from them what a joy on. what a joy really i know i sorry i got carried away with the names but then i don't want to leave anybody out you know because everybody who's involved with the program you, you weren't getting carried away in my book i just wanted to make sure because some listeners might not know some of these people and sure. i want them to understand we're talking about really serious talent the kind of talent that's precious it really, it's it's incredible, uh, an incredible opportunity for students to come. Uh, I myself came in 2004. Uh, as Ruth mentioned, I'm a bass player, and I was transferring into the UMass Music Department program, studying for my bachelor's degree. You know, I was trying to working professionally in the area and trying to learn. And I got to got a scholarship to come in and work for two weeks and learn from a lot of those people. You know, back then, Dr. Taylor and uh, Dr. Tillis have since passed, but they were both there at the time, and I got to hang with those guys and learn from them and, and the other wonderful musicians who are there. Uh, so, so that's still how it is. You know, they get to come in on Monday and by Wednesday night, they're already playing their first gig. So how do people f uh, sign up? How do they find out more about it? Yeah, we have a website, jazzinjuly.com and people can learn more about what we're doing. And when there are public performances that they may want to attend and there's application spot right on the page, you can submit, you know, we're, getting pretty close to it this year but we can still try to squeeze some folks in if you know for certain singers and for certain instruments that we could still come and get involved in the program for this summer because it starts on monday it starts and it on runs for two weeks and i think you know the performance element is is really important and for the general public they can go to performances of the students which is not only enjoyable for the audience, but it's it's an incredible learning experience for the students. And then there's then there's the faculty faculty recitals, which are again you listen to those musicians. They're, they're, it's top of the line jazz music that's being that's being performed. So it's it's a huge asset for the valley. What how do you recruit for this? What what kind of what kind of students typically? Come into jazz in July, David. It's a great question. So we have uh, adult musicians from within our community who, you know, again, from 40 years, they know about it and they want to get involved. And when the time is right and they can. Uh, but we accept students starting at age 15. So I do I visit a lot of local high schools and meet with band programs. And, you know, when the band director lets me come in and I can come in and like work with their, with their jazz band, work with their rhythm section, try to give them a little bit of a clinic. Sometimes I'll bring my bass and I'll play some. I'll talk about what the program is and hand out the brochures and try to work with work with folks to get involved. Having you know having the band directors on our side is really helpful because then you know returning students come back. Somebody comes as a junior and then they come back their senior year and they're killing. You know that that helps the band directors. They get excited to try to send some more students along. Uh, you know college age kids. Uh, come from wherever, as well as UMass students in the music department currently who work with us on internship scholarships. So it helps us keep our staffing low by having so many of those musicians involved. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different ways to get to get there. We also, you know, try to advertise in periodicals and send out e-blasts and like within our community. And you can get on the 
get on the email list again, like through our website at jazzinjuly.com. It's amazing how many uh, young jazz musicians in particular, but even older jazz musicians that are kind of quote unquote amateurs like me, well, they, they have been to jazz in July and, would, would and sometimes more than once. And it's just, it's fundamental to their education in jazz. And what I love about it, it reminds me a little bit. And I, I think I read once that the jazz in July model was actually kind of um, inspired by the music in and the 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 summer camps that happened at the Music Inn back in the '60s um, with the jazz greats coming up from New York, and and it's it's just that intensive clinic workshopping improvising. Well, just it all brings me to a question. You you sort of stimulated this question when you brought a new teacher, um, the Sarah last, Clay. Sarah Clay. Last time you were here, and you talked about how you already were a vocalist before but for 10 years you've had this teacher and i'm asking this as somebody who doesn't have talent right which is i love jazz and every time we talk about jazz i love jazz because it surprises me all the time i didn't know the music was going to go there i didn't know the musician was going to have me evoke that feeling at that moment from a song that didn't start out anywhere near there how do you teach improvisation because it's so personal and emotional it seems to me how is that something that we can teach people who are interested in learning it? Well, you try to give them the toolbox. You know, you see like, okay, here's, here's some music fundamentals. Here's like making, how many different sounds can you make on your instrument, right? What, how do you develop tone? How do you change that tone? How do you learn what, what these notes are? When, when, how do you build this chord? How, what's it going on with this scale? Like, how do you hear this? How do you match this pitch that you're hearing? How do you get inside all that? You know, all the technical kind of stuff for the toolbox. But then you'd be like, all right, now go live your life and listen to music, you know, and then come back around. You know, people finding their voice is like a really kind of weird, a hard question, right? Because everybody comes at it from different things and, and from their different life experiences. But like, you know, you grow up listening to if the only song you ever heard in your life is Happy Birthday and you pick up the saxophone, how do you think you're going to play music that sounds like jazz music? Right. You know, so, so back again, like with the, the pedagogical stance, it's like, well, introducing recordings and turning people onto artists and, say, you know, helping people find inspiration in music that's out there and the, and the masters who are doing it, right? And to have them as your teachers? <laughs> and that, yeah, and to sit next to them and be able to pick their brain, sure. I mean, when I think about the number of musicians that we've had here as guests, and they talk about who inspired them, and 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 many times it's at in you at UMass, the jazz faculty at UMass. Like when we had um, um, uh, Ryan Hollander here, who's a jazz vocalist, mm -hmm. he was talking about Catherine Jensen Hole really took him and and you know brought him to where he is today, and that inspiration is just, it's, it's so critically important for, for any musician. It seems to me, UMass is like musician. a mecca for jazz music. It's, it's, we're so lucky to have people like you so close. Well, happy to be here, man. But yeah, there's a rich his history in the area. Absolutely. That's really so great. We'll, we'll talk more about jazz in July and also uh, about David Peachy as an incredible bass player and composer and musician and on and on. Can't wait. I'm all excited. You got me excited now, David. Great. We're going to take a break and be back with David Peachy and Ruth Griggs. We're taking five right after this. Happy talk. Keep talking. Happy talk. Talk about things you'd like to do. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. The Greenfield City Council slashed the police budget in response to a jury verdict finding that the department had engaged in unlawful race discrimination. We'll find out the effect of that budget cut and the latest on this story when we speak with the mayor of Greenfield, Roxanne Wiedegartner, Friday at 9 o'clock. Bill Newman, weekdays at 9 and again at 5. WHMP, news, information, and the arts. 
Hi, I'm Missy Tatro, Assistant Vice President and Senior Mortgage Originator at Greenfield Cooperative Bank and its Northampton Co-op Bank Division. And I'm Mortgage Originator Jessica Eau Claire. Did you know you can start your pre-qualification or mortgage application online? Head on over to our new website at bestlocalbank.com and apply today. Or if you prefer, come see us in person at one of our Hampshire or Franklin County locations. Right now, we're also giving you the opportunity to save up to $1,000 on your closing costs. That's right. You get $750 plus another $250 when we pre-qualify you for a mortgage. It's the best local mortgage from the best local bank. So come on over to the co-op and see me, Missy Tatro. Or me, Jessica Eau Claire, and save up to $1,000 on your closing costs. Close by September 30th, be a new first mortgage customer or refinance from another loan provider. Minimum $100,000 loan subject to change or end without notice. Other conditions apply. See bank for details. Greenfield Cooperative Bank is an equal housing lender, member FDIC, member DIF. You can count on your friends at the co-op. There are farm fresh eggs just around the corner and beef across town. Local food is all around. It's a connection to your community, to the land and the people. There's a handy guide to the farm fresh food all around you, the local hero guide on the CISA website. You never know how close you are to something good for dinner tonight, something harvested just this morning. CISA's local hero guide, your guide to farm fresh food, on the CISA website, buylocalfood.org. After rising to $130 a barrel and taking gas prices to a record high, oil prices have been falling, slipping below $100 a barrel for the first time since mid-May. Gas Buddies' Patrick DeHaan tells Consumer Affairs recession fears could send gas prices below $4 a gallon by year's end. Sales of new cars and trucks dropped sharply in June, but the prices buyers paid remained elevated as consumers competed for the limited supply. Cox Automotive estimates U.S. car sales were only 1.2 million units, 7.5% lower. Consumers may soon enjoy new protections when they shop for a new or used car. The Federal Trade Commission has proposed a new rule that would eliminate some sales tactics that have annoyed car buyers for decades, such as bait-and-switch advertising. I'm Mark Huffman. Learn more at ConsumerAffairs.com. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 And we're back with this week's Take 5 with Ruth Griggs and David Peachy, the program director for Jazz in July. Mm-hmm. And we're talking Jazz in July. <laughs> we certainly are. That's a that's wonderful introduction back to this segment. So um, Jazz in July, which is uh, about 41, 42 years old, is starting up again on Monday, July, July 11, over at the... Uh, the Fine Arts Center and at the uh, University of Massachusetts in their music department. And if you want to learn more about Jazz in July, it's jazzinjuly.com. David, you were saying there's still a couple of spaces open for the two-week program. Absolutely. Don't hesitate to get in touch if you're interested from what you hear and you want to get involved with Jazz in July. Just write me an email through the website. Because it's all ages, you were saying. Well, 15 and up, yes. But there's no, you know, we had it. I remember a few years ago, for three years in a row, this guy came from Rhode Island, up trumpet player. Was, I think the last year he came, he was 85. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, it was awesome. A sweet guy. <laughs> That's jazz for you, isn't it? it it's from perfect. From 15 to 85 and just keep on going. You know Jimmy, who brings his trumpet and uh, uh, doing all those jams with the Green uh, Street Trio, he jumps yeah. up there and he plays with the kids. He, he's got to be in his 80s. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's 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 the thing. So so David is you know very busy as the um, program director and administrative director of Jazz in July, but he's also a phenomenal bass player and jazz musician. Can you tell us a little bit about you as a musician and the kind of music you're working on and any gigs you want us to know about? Sure. Yeah. Well, I started uh, playing music when I was 10 and started playing trumpet and I continued with that through high school. But when I was 11, all my friends played guitar. And so I started playing bass. And like a week later, I was in six bands because nobody <laughs> played bass. Everybody played guitar. Like a couple guys played drums. Anyway, so I started getting into the bass and then I learned about the bass and then I love the bass. And I you know, just love the bass. Bass is the best. Why, 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 why? Oh, it's just a little low notes. The way you make you feel when you hear it. It's the way it makes you feel when you play it. You know, like when you play an electric bass, it's great. You still like get all that low resonance. But when you play a double bass, 
you know how much of that wood touches your body? You know, you feel the every vibration coming through. I mean, you probably have more physical contact. Well, I have for more physical contact with that instrument than any other one that I've played. I'm not like a sousaphone guy. I guess that would be a pretty... Anyway, <laughs> so so bass is the best. And I teach bass at, um, at adjunct faculty at uh, Amherst College, as well as Mount Holyoke College. So if you want to take some bass lessons with me, you can get into one of those colleges or... You know, I teach privately as well. I was doing lessons on Zoom for the last few years. Um, and I perform all the time. And there's a couple of steady groups that I work with. Um, I play solo as well, just singing Al Green songs and doing that kind of thing. I play in a duo with my friend Dave. My name is David, and his name is also David. So we're Double Dose of Dave. He plays piano, and we, you know, do the pop soul R&B, Lionel Richie tunes and stuff. And, and you then, have a ball. Uh, I've seen you perform. You guys, oh, yeah. are, you guys are an act with a capital A. It's really fun to watch you. Yeah, well, you know, somewhere in between the jokes is like some music. And that's, <laughs> you know, that's always the best. And then, I, you know, I work with the top 40 group called Fever. And we're out of Springfield area. We've been together for about nine years. And we do, you know, a lot of private sector stuff and a few public performances. I know we're at uh, Fountain Park Series in Wilbraham, August fourth i think it's thursday of whatever that week that is and we just played last night at an outdoor series in agawam and that was great um and then we were on you know on block island for last weekend playing three nights at captain nicks and you know there's a bunch of weddings over the summer it's a lot of you know it's a busy schedule doing all this stuff but it's great to get to play this music that music you know like i as a bass player i'm also freelance so i get called for pickup gigs with folks and you know we get together and they say you know we have a repertoire from which we can draw that we all know I was working last week with uh, Eugene Newman and John Fisher with like Eugene's convergence project we're also featuring Wanda Houston on that she's a great vocalist are you um, recording David no. are you recording nope. no nope I'm living but in the moment and doing a live okay. thing I didn't That's... know if if uh, Eugene Newman who's the director of the Vermont Jazz Center is is doing a recording relative to the convergence project I or... hope soon he will he's got a couple of them out but I'm not on those Okay. So he says, oh, I want to record with this band. He keeps saying it, but he's been saying that for like five years. We'll see. Put his money where his mouth is. <laughs> and John Fisher is a drummer. I always thought yeah. that you know, the bass and the drum, they're just, it's a marriage made in heaven. Because rhythm, so much bass playing is rhythmic as much as anything else. As it's rhythmic. Else, yeah. Well, right. I will. Uh, bass is, I think, the glue that ties the piano to the drums. You know, nice. this is, or guitar, whatever. You know, you have the chord thing happening here. You got melody sitting on top, and you got and rhythm then, over there. And then, yeah, and bass is like the glue that ties the harmonic structure of the of the music to like the the deep rhythms, right? Well, and it's also the instrument that the vocalist listens to so much because the bass is 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 creating that is is supporting that foundation. It's the bottom. It's the foundation. And, yeah. Right. And you know right. that, you know, you're gonna you're gonna hear that that chord structure from them. And that's how you know you talk about improvisation. You know, I th one of the ways that I think of of like scat improvisation is mm -hmm. you have to know the form of the song. You know the form of the song and then you know the chords of that song and 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 you're off to the races essentially. But the bass is the one that you can really count on for the those those chords to keep you to keep you you know going down the lane straight. I'm gonna go home and listen to some music. <laughs> and turn the bass up, man. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's what I do so, when I'm practicing. I turn the bass so up. So let me ask so you both how... this question. Let's go back to jazz in July. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna have young musicians of all different competencies, right? Different right. levels of competency. How do you accommodate that, and how do you make sure that the ones who are trying but aren't haven't achieved as much in terms of their development mm. from getting despondent when they're next to another person their age who can play their brains out. How do sure. you do that? Well, so we do our best to match folks as best we can, you know, in the situations where we think that they will thrive the most. So part of the application process for Jazz in July is submitting an audition recording. Ah. So I scan through the audition recordings to make sure I think that somebody's in a place where they're going to get something out of working with us. And that, which is, you know, most people, again, are, my mission is education. I'm not trying to turn folks away. I want to get people involved, right? 
And then I'll pass all of those audition recordings on to the artistic director, Jeff Holmes, and he'll go through everything and he'll say, okay, this is one group, this is another group, this is another group, here's group A, B, C, D, E, whatever, and he'll try to pair folks together in ways that make sense musically and that he thinks that they'll have the best experience and then pair them with an educator. So every, you no, know, we usually have six combos and each one has a different uh, member of our instrumental faculty as a coach. And so they'll work together with that coach for, you know, two and a half hours a day in rehearsal every day for the week. I think that sounds great. You have to make sure that these kids walk away from this experience feeling good about themselves. Absolutely. Yes, 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 yes. And so, so those combos, those combos play together for the full two weeks? Uh, you well, stay with that co- your cohort. It's hard to say. Like that was the original design. You know, was that people would come for two weeks, but over the years, between one reason or another, uh, about half of our attendants come for two weeks, and half of them come for one or the other. Okay. So, so when they do come, the people who do come for two weeks, and if we know they are, you know, we try to keep that group as much intact as possible. Um, but you know, it's hard to mm-hmm. it's hard to you know keep that consistent when maybe. Two of the players are staying for two weeks, and four of them are only coming for one week or the other. You know, you got to flex. That's also that. part of jazz. Is that you? If, if an improvisation is that you need to have the flexibility to be able to listen and get the sense of what your different musicians uh, are like and to adapt to them because you might not have the same group all the time. I mean, you're lucky when you do, like the Green Street Trio. Mm-hmm. It's basically, you know, Paul Arslanian and George Kay and John Fisher, you know, 365. Um, well, but, but then they bring in somebody else, and as, a, as an audience member, mm-hmm. what I love about people who have your skills, David, is, is watching people who don't always play together communicate with their instruments. It, sure. It flips me out that they can, they know when to break, they know when to, uh, they, it's just language. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely language. So because we need to close this out soon, I want to just say if you want to learn the language of jazz, go to Jazz in July. And David Peachy will welcome you with open arms. The, the program starts on Monday. But as he said, even if you have a week when you can do this, um, you know, go to jazzinjuly.com and sign up. And David has one more thing to say about that. Yeah, public performances where you can come and see what we're doing. If you can't enroll in the program this year, Wednesday nights. 13th and 20th July uh, will be in the UMass Campus Center, uh, 11th floor. And then July 22nd, come and check us out in downtown Amherst. It's our Jazz in July All-Stars concert featuring all the folks working with us. That'll be at uh, 6 p.m. downtown, downtown Amherst on the Common. Cool. Thank you. Thank you both. Jazz in July. All David, right. thank you so much. I'm going to go home and listen to some music. Good. I'm gonna- <laughs> I'm going to pay special attention to the bass. That's right. Thanks, David. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thanks, both of you. So everybody else, have a great night. Join us tomorrow on the afternoon bus at 4 o'clock. Bye-bye. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. Hearing the verdict and hearing the words racial animus were extremely painful for, certainly for myself and for the women and men of the Greenfield Police Department who really do go to work every day to serve the people of Greenfield. 1015, 1400, and 1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. Northampton Neighbors is free of charge and open to all with a range of social and volunteer opportunities as well as services and support for members 55 and older in the city of Northampton. Need help? Want to help? Join us as a member, a volunteer, or donor. Northampton Neighbors is about more than aging in place. We're about engaging in place, this place. Find us online at northamptonneighbors.org or call us at 413-341-0160. The only live and local talk in the Valley and for the Valley. WHMP Northampton, WHMQ Greenfield, a Northampton radio group station. It's 5 o'clock.